This is Big O, Mr. In The Black himself from the In The Black podcast, and I'm kicking it with Big Mike, my homie from the UK. Yeah, Genuine Chit Chat podcast, one of the best podcasts I've listened to in a long time. Make sure you stick around and check it out. Hello there, guys, and welcome to another episode of Genuine Chit Chat. This week, I am once again joined by Max Byrne and Dave Horrocks. Now, if you tuned in last week, you'll know I spoke to both Max and Dave before. Uh, Last week, we spoke quite a lot about the Snyder Cut and Justice League. And as this is part two of the conversation, it continues in very DC-orientated waters. Uh, We speak about primarily Batman versus Superman, as we all have slightly differing opinions on that. We talk about Ben Affleck's Batman, or Batfleck. Uh, We speak about Doomsday. Um, We also speak about a few other things as well. But it's all related to sort of DC and comparing it with the Marvel movies as well and the ultimate cut of batman vs superman is also mentioned at the end so that's more or less all we're talking about in this chat so if none of that interests you then it probably won't be a podcast for you but that is what you can expect there's no promo today but the intro little plug was by big of the in the black podcast really recommend you guys check them out they're a massive fan of them and also they came on the show a few weeks ago as well so make sure you check out that as well links in the description to in the black podcast as well as max and dave's respective podcasts twitter handles whatever uh, and then i'll be back at the end of this chat just to give a bit more information of what's to come so really appreciate you guys listening especially in these difficult times and things and if we're finally out of these difficult times as well in the future and you're still listening to this thank you for that as well uh, i hope everyone stays safe and yeah i'll talk to you at the end of the chat Welcome to Genuine Chit Chat, where we have honest conversations with interesting people. And I'm your host, Mike Burton. I think what they've done since is quite smart. I mean, for me, Wonder Woman is the best movie that's come out of the DCU. Just as a standalone little movie, I thought it was fantastic. It was charming. Gal Gadot is just phenomenal i can't imagine anyone else you know which after linda carter i didn't think i'd say but you know she she is phenomenal as wonder woman Mm -hmm. but then since then to focus on the standalone stories with the likes of shazam and i know it wasn't everyone's cup of tea but i kind of like the fun of it you know even though it's not really dc they stole him from fawcett comics um and then joker you've got something again that is completely different it doesn't all have to be in this one single universe so to focus on just creating good individual standalone movies i think is the best decision warner brothers have made and max with you obviously being much more into uh well i assume than dave i'd actually know i I just assume this because you've got a podcast called mandatory marvel and dc that you know far more than dave (laughs) does but um what what are you um going to bvs in a moment but basically same sort of question to you what what are your views on the uh on the standalone films and things of DCU? Um, it's a roller coaster, I think, of, of quality and tone. Um, mm. That's Although that is one thing I do actually quite like about it, because what I will say about Marvel is, yes, it's great, and, and it's been masterfully executed over these 20-odd films, and they tend to, like you said, they've not had too many directorial spats, and you know, or at least none that have seen the light of day, and the juggernaut rolls on. But all these directors who are trusted to make these films, they still have to work within that Marvel framework. Every single Marvel film does tend to look the same 
Do mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It, yeah. it, mm-hmm. it, I don't mean they're all the same tone. Some are light-hearted, some are darker, some are set in outer space, some are not, of course, but they look the same. So every director that comes on to do a, a film, it doesn't have to be a sequel film like a, a new Thor film or a, a sequel to Black Panther. It can be a, a new character who's never had a film before, but that director will have to accommodate because they always have to refer to that bigger universe. They'll always have to accommodate a character from another film will always make an appearance who's been cast by another director from 10 films ago. They'll also have to establish the the status quo of that wider universe. They'll also have to put something in there that points towards where they're going in the future with that universe, with the post-credit scenes that have now become a Marvel tradition that everyone loves and speculates over prior to these films coming out and always stays behind to watch the cinema i do too of course it's part and mm-hmm. parcel of it same um yeah yeah you've got to aren't you i always see people walking out and think what the fuck are you doing have you not seen are a you, marvel I, movie yeah, before are you mad <laughs> these parents taking their kids out and i feel like reporting them to the nspcc <laughs> it's, it's it's outrageous behavior it really is um anyway i digress but what i'm saying is the the good thing about DC at least, although it's been a at times a shit show, is at least they're having a go at making it films with a diversity to them. Like Dave said earlier, you know, the first one with a, a female lead, uh they beat Marvel to the punch there, like he said. Hmm. There's no way that you would put tonally a film like Birds of Prey next to Aquaman, say. The the films are chalk and cheese, aren't they? But hmm. technically they do exist in that same universe. Um and I like the fact that they're not trying to, with every film, point to the next one as such and, and refer to a big universe. I do hope that, because I'm a sucker for a big crossover, I do love all that. Mm. And I do hope that they haven't completely abandoned that concept. And I hope that a few films down the line, there will be sort of a coming together, not necessarily another Justice League film, but something of that nature where they do bring characters together. I hope it's not just... Every 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 character, every franchise in isolation. I would like to see some form of crossover, but at least at least now they've recognised that they don't need to chase the Marvel dragon. They don't need to swim in that slipstream, and I think that's a wise decision to answer with you because I think Marvel now is such an established juggernaut that every film they put out, good, bad, or indifferent, will clear a billion. I mean, mm-hmm. Captain Marvel made a billion dollars, and I think that's a dreadful film. I really do. Uh, but that, that's just my opinion. Obviously, that means nothing uh, against <laughs> the rest of the world who clearly loved it, but I, I, I didn't. Um, but it cleared a billion easily. Now, is that the greatest film in the world? No. Will Black Widow be a great film? Remains to be seen. We don't know. Um, but I, I'd imagine it will make a billion dollars because it's a Marvel film. I imagine whatever comes after that will make a billion because it's a Marvel film. That that branding is, is a license to print money. Mm-hmm. And I think... DC have suffered but with Warner Brothers and every film is like filmmaking by committee rather than mm. this is, you know, like Dave said, everyone's got the finger in the pot trying to put their, drag it in this direction and this direction. And I just think they need to pick a direction and stick with it. Like they should have done with the Zack Snyder. They they'd picked him as the anointed one who was going to oversee this universe, be like, Warner Brothers version of Kevin Feige with Marvel and he was the one who um, started it with Man of Steel into BVS into Justice League. Let's not forget Aquaman was a billion dollar film. Well, who cast Aquaman? Zack Snyder cast Aquaman because he included him in BVS, didn't he? Mm. He cast The Flash. 
he he cast Wonder Woman as well. We all, you know, you said earlier, Wonder Woman's the best film in the the DCEU, and I'm inclined mm. to agree with you. I, I'm inclined to agree with you. Well, who cast Wonder Woman? Who established that character? Zack Snyder, of course. You know, so his choices, whilst not everyone's cup of tea, are still being felt now in that universe. He, you know, the the two most beloved franchises in DC now, I would say, are Aquaman and, and Wonder Woman. They're the two that seem to have survived the post Snyder call. Well, he put those actors in those roles, so he must have done something right. So you know, it's it's a mixed bag with DC, but I do I do have hope for the future, and I think there's been far too many changes behind the scenes, and I just hope that moving forward now, especially after this film comes out next year, maybe they'll put that to bed, or maybe that'll lead to something more coming out of that if the reception's good for it. I don't know, but at least I hope at least they're going to establish which way they want to go and they shouldn't try and follow marvel they should make them darker they should give them their own identity and that's what dc comics is in general if you read dc comics they tend to be just a tiny bit darker than what marvel are doing and that's that's their selling point they don't need to be family friendly quippy films they don't need to do that there's nothing wrong with that it's Mm. great but i think they would be better served to have their own identity. Now, it might not mean that every film makes a billion dollars and you can take your six-year-old kid to see it and it's fun for all the family, um, but at least, artistically at least, they'll have their own space, if, if that makes sense, what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you completely. I was thinking yeah. that, like, you know, one of the issues with Justice League, I felt, was that Justice League, as I said earlier, it's basically just Avengers, but worse in my view, every single way. So why, well, yeah. would, I, why would I watch it if I could just watch the Avengers? Whereas... Although I didn't like Man of Steel as much as I like most of the Marvel movies, if I'm in the mood for something that is dark and real, and the first half of that movie, I will say, is some of my favourite superhero stuff ever, him being so human and things. I found it ruined by the CGI punching through buildings for an hour. But <laughs> beside that, it's you know, it's it's one of those things where I thought Man of Steel, it, it hit the ground running and I felt like Zack Snyder, the, what he was trying to do, for the most part, I felt like, oh, this is... This is what I want for DC. I want Marvel to be, yeah, the family-friendly, a bit more uh, smooth, glazed around the edges sort of thing. And it's got, it has to build up to darkness, but then realistically is in the light a lot. Whereas DC, I found like, you know, it should be, they should be able to run parallel, but one just be a bit lighter and a bit quippier and one be darker. But obviously you can have the crossover. You can have Shazam that's more like a Marvel film in that sense, but then you can also have a film like Infinity War that's in air quotes more like a DC. If You know what I'm saying? There can be the interjection, but if they both found their own footing, well, Marvel already has, it'll be fine. But it's one of the things where DC trying to be Marvel, they're already 10, 15 years behind essentially. And a lot of the characters now are already established. And it is, as you say, with, you know, Cyborg, I knew it from Teen Titans. I'd never really knew anything about Cyborg. And even like um, my girlfriend, she, she and I watched all the MCU films fairly recently. And when she was, she was asking questions about this, that and the other. And obviously I've, I, I've no, I have a general knowledge of Marvel film, Marvel characters before uh, the MCU, but certain characters come up and I didn't really know about them and things. In that film, when we watched uh, Justice League, things, she was just like, who's Cyborg? And I said, like, well, I don't really know either. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> it hasn't really been in every Marvel film, as you guys say, like Hulk is the only one who doesn't get their own film before Avengers, but Hulk, everyone knows the Hulk is. Oh, oh, he, he did. did. Sorry. He did. Sorry, I'm being an idiot. <laughs> I, I'm being an idiot. I always forget that film. Um, he did have the Incredible Hulk, but even before that, there was, there was the era of Marvel beforehand, which was, you know, the world's worst film ever, I'd probably argue, which is Hulk, <laughs> not the Incredible Hulk. The Ang Lee Hulk. Hulk. Yeah. Yeah, that is just <laughs> so bad. And obviously a lot of the other characters and things were already 
known in some sense. But in Justice League, obviously, meant to be all the big hitters. Even Megan didn't know who the Flash was. And I thought the Flash was quite big, but I'm in nerdy circles. So even a character like Flash should have really had some depth to them, which you'd have thought would have been in the series, but obviously they didn't do that and all that sort of stuff. So <laughs> let's get on to the, the thing that kind of we're going to have some polarizing views on, which is Batman versus Superman. And I do want to add in there, I do want to talk about the extended cut as well, which I haven't seen. I just want to check. I assume you've seen it, Max. Have, has Dave, have you seen the extended cut? No, I, I couldn't be. I couldn't be doing with the three hours of that. Okay. That's <laughs> I, I've heard. I, so my co-host, Chris, hmm. he has watched it and he does assure me that it's better, but I'm not sure how much I trust his opinion, to be honest. But <laughs> I, I mean, it's David Goyer writing, isn't it? And And I can't forgive it. There is lots to like about Batman versus Superman, quite honestly. And, and it takes a lot from a great book by Frank Miller, The Dark Knight Returns. I just can't forgive it for that nonsense about Martha. It's like, oh, you, your mum's the same same name as my mum. Let's be bros. You know, it's just ridiculous. So I can't forgive it. I don't give a shit how many extra scenes you can put in there. That is fucking nonsense. And I have no desire to watch it. Well, let's use that. Let's let's jump off then with Batman vs Superman. So let's try and do. I I don't want to structure this conversation too much because I, I quite like free form conversations and things. But it's not about Batman vs Superman. Let's try and focus on some of. We'll do the positives first and what we all kind of liked about the film, and then we'll let. <laughs> I've got a few negative things to say, but I think <laughs> Dave's going to be the big slater, and then Max is going to be the defender, and I'm going to be the the invigilator in some sense. So I'll say with Batman vs Superman. I will hands down say the scene with Batman in the warehouse when he goes to get, I think it's Superman's mum. I think it's about 20 minutes long. That is, in my opinion, some of the best Batman scenes in anything. I, I think that him Sorry, in Mike, that... Can I, can I go ahead. in? Can I cut yeah. across you there? Because yeah, go ahead. What I, what I wanted to say this before, and I can't let it escape again. <laughs> For me, I, and this may sound weird, Ben Affleck is the best Batman. Completely agree. So, I mean, you can take your Michael Keaton, your Val Kilmers, all of that, even Christian Bale, right? For me, it is a crying shame that we never got to saw the Batfleck. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. I, I would say, funnily enough, yeah, that was one of the things where loads of people were really annoyed about Ben Affleck. And I don't really have any strong opinions for or against Ben Affleck. I've seen him in films I don't like. I've seen him in films I do like. So he's just one of those actors where if he's in a film, I don't blink twice about it but i thought he did genuinely do a really good job and i found that everyone who was slating him was just slating him because they thought before seeing it they're gonna hate him because i i don't really know what they'd want in a, in a yeah. sense yeah yeah i mean the thing that the thing ben affleck's got is he's got a big frame so mm. you know bruce wayne is supposed to be a big fucker he can go toe to toe i know he's got his gadgets and everything but he is he's got to be tough you know, he fights on the streets and everything. You know, I know, again, I know we've got these martial arts and what have you, but when you've got the likes of bloody Michael Keaton and, and even Christian Bale, even though he's ripped, he's still a pretty little guy. Whereas, you know, you can believe, and when we had that training montage, uh, it was in Batman versus Superman, actually, wasn't it? So, you know, you, you believe that this guy has got some bulk about him and, and can actually go toe-to-toe -to -toe on the streets. And he's got some darkness to him as well. You can in what one of the things I did like about Batman vs Superman was actually the tone of of the most of the film. It was dark. It did mm -hmm. actually feel, which is as much as I love Marvel films. I say apart from Infinity War and Endgame, there's not there doesn't really ever feel like there's any true stakes, and that's the issue I had with um, the newest Star Wars film as well. But we'll get into that. It 
you want a film to feel like it has weight. And I found that maybe a bit too much, but that versus Superman had a lot of weight to it. And I found that the Ben Affleck, funnily enough, both had an emotional weight because he seemed like he'd, to quote almost, he'd seen some shit. You feel that when you're seeing him interact with other characters and talk about things. And there's that moment, it's one of my favorite shots, which is when you see, I think it's um, Robin's garbs and it's got the Joker written ha 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 all over it. And it's mm-hmm. you know, it's only on screen for a few seconds, but it, it really, you feel something there. It's like a gut punch. It's like, wait, what? And then it's come back. Like, oh, you didn't see that. Well, this world's a bit fucked up. So you've got to catch up. And I like that. And I like the Ben Affleck and obviously a bigger frame. And it, when he punched something... You almost felt it yourself because he is, as you say, a big guy. So yeah. I love the tone. I really like the Batman scene in the warehouse and things. I thought that was very Batman-ish. Um, but, I, but I found that the end was didn't build up to what I wanted. And that was the main thing for me. So I want to ask you, Max, what were some of your favorite things about uh, Batman versus Superman? And I would also want to ask the two of you because you're more co- comic book veterans. Batman shooting people. Is that? In any other of the Batman films, because I thought Batman was meant to be, he doesn't really kill people, but I don't know if that's just seeing wrong things. So I kind of want to add that in there too. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a myth to say he has never killed in the comics because he has killed in the comics. Hmm. Um, but it's it's a collector's item when he does. Um, he, he has always maintained that moral line. That's what separates me from the scum, from the criminals. I would never take a life. But I think that was, although a lot of people got upset about the fact that he probably killed about at least 20 people when he was shooting, <laughs> shooting them out the sky in his, um, his bat wing there, um, I think it was the intention was to show how far he'd fallen. Mm-hmm. Um, because like you said, he'd seen some shit. Um, he even says it to Alfred at one point. He says, you know, 20 years in Gotham, as in I've been Batman for 20 years, you know, how many good people are left, how many stayed good, blah, blah. So I think it just to sh- it's to show how jaded he is and how bitter he's become and how low he's shrunk. And then there is that moment at the end. I know it's the the Martha bit, which no one likes and blah, blah, but it's, it's that moment where he's literally about to kill. He's got Superman as he's literally about to kill it. Spoilers. Mm. He's literally about to kill him. He's won the fight. He's got the kryptonite spear and he's literally about to finish him. And then he has that moment of clarity where I think the rationale behind it is not so much that, Oh, our, our mums share the same name. It's more the fact that he, cause he hears him use his mother's name. It's like, he realizes that, Beneath this, well, he is an alien, but beneath this alien god, there is a human side to him with a family and, and what have you. And he realizes at that moment, shit, what have I, what have I become? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's the rationale behind it. Um, but like you both said, I think Ben Affleck is the best cinematic Batman there's ever been. Um, there's no question about it in my in my book. Um, utterly believable. I think he's also the best, specifically the best Bruce Wayne there's ever been. Yes. Because he yeah. utterly looks he looks like Bruce Wayne, you know. He's got that good looks, the dashing looks to look like this billionaire playboy with the women hanging off him. <laughs> but which, you know, that's Are that's you how- saying Michael Keaton can't pull off a millionaire playboy? Well, <laughs> At the risk of offending a million sort of Keaton aficionados out there, I never liked Michael Keaton as Batman. I'll be honest with you. I mean, I know that's sacrilege to a lot of people. Let's go nuts. Yeah, he's to to their own, you know. But Keaton, for a start, he must be about 5'8", 
in his <laughs> in his stockings. He doesn't look like he could beat an egg, let alone <laughs> a room full of like like you said that scene with Affleck in the room, the warehouse room where he yeah. takes about twenty guys out. That is the best Batman fight scene ever committed to the screen. That straight out of Arkham Asylum, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It, yeah, it is like yeah, it is like a scene out of Arkham. And it's, all you're missing is a, a PlayStation PlayStation controller in your hand when you're watching it. It's absolutely brilliant, but. I just don't buy Keaton as this. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's a, he, don't get me wrong, he is a phenomenal actor. I've always been a fan of him. But I didn't buy him as Batman because I didn't believe that someone like him could destroy all before him. Whereas, like you said, Affleck, he's jacked up. He's about 6'4 in real life. Utterly believable. And specifically because in that film, he's got to stand opposite Superman and you've got to think that he's got a chance of winning. Which, yeah. which he does. Well, obviously, he has to use a augmented suit and kryptonite weapons and that because obviously, if it was a fair fight, he'd be dead in a second. <laughs> but when they go toe to toe, rather than thinking, "Well, he's fucked," and he, you actually believe he's got a chance because he's that, he's that big, you know. Do, do you not think, Max? So, a, a different director in that Martha scene, which everyone takes piss out of, me included. A different director would say, right, well, let's flash back to the things that different people have said to Bruce on, on this journey to borderline madness. And then he flashes back to something Alfred said to him and, and then flashes back to something else. And, and in that moment, it all comes together and he has clarity. And it's like, shit, I've fallen too far. Yeah. They gave us none of that on the screen, and and so that's why it is a piss take. You know, it's just like, oh right, Martha. Oh right, let's forget all the things I was working up to. It's just that one single data point. I think with a bit of different, a different approach to that scene, it could have come off okay. I completely agree on that point. Yeah, I mean, for all his his virtues, Zack Snyder's not a. I wouldn't call him a subtle. Filmmaker, <laughs> to say the least. He, what he is brilliant at, and he's, there's very few that are, uh, are on his level, is visuals. Mm. You know, he's he's great at, at shooting action. There's no doubt about that. His action scenes are great. Like we just spoken about that Batman choreography. Um, and what he's great at, and I think it's something that uh, our all our mutual friend Tony mentioned when he was a guest on on my show a few weeks back, was what he is brilliant at is taking a an image off the comic book and putting it on the screen. He's literally great at literally making it come to life. You can literally see there's some shots in that film are literally the, the, the positioning, the iconic stances are literally lifted from the comic books. And he did that to great effect in Watchmen as well, I find. Oh, 100%. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. And that's that's what he's great at. But like you said, he's not he's not great at the nuanced stuff, the uh, the characterization, maybe the, the, the emotional side of it, the minutiae. I think that's where he lets himself down. So, yeah, I do agree that whilst I don't think it's as dreadful as everyone else seems to like to use it for, <laughs> you know, for, to take the piss, I, I do think, yeah, it was a bit ham-fisted. That's one of the things I'm not mega keen on. I, mean, I remember going to see, again, it was opening day, I went to see that film. I think uh, my other half took me as a, a, a little surprise. On, I think it was Good Friday it was out that year. And um, it was a packed cinema, and I think so many people were sniggering at that point. And this is supposed to be your key moment of the film, this key moment in Batman's journey. Because if you remember the very opening of the film, is him at ground level at the end yeah. of Man of Steel, when yes. the, the whole bloody city's coming down while Superman's fighting Zod. And the look of 
utter hatred as he looks up at the sky when he's holding that girl who you presume's mum's just perished in one of those skyscrapers. And his look up at the sky at Superman is one of utter venom and hatred. And then his journey throughout the film is, I'm going to find a way to stop this man. I'm going to put him down. He's a threat to the world. We can't live under this threat. And then all that way, and then you get to that point where he jumps off and goes, shit, I was wrong. It could have been handled so much better. You're completely right about that, Dave, yeah. I was just going to say, don't forget, this is in, you know, the Twin Towers, you know, 9-11 is still quite fresh, you know. And so when I saw those images of Ben Affleck in the trailer, I was like, holy shit, they're going there. And I'm sure it was deliberate. They, You know, it was supposed to invoke those images and that emotion. And so, yeah, the, the start of it was absolutely brilliant. And from that, you can absolutely see it from Batman's perspective. So, yeah, I can't argue with that. It started off absolutely brilliantly. Yeah, and I agree. And one of the things I I loved actually uh, about Batman vs Superman is one of the biggest flaws I had with uh, Man of Steel was I was watching it and I was like, Superman's meant to care about all these people, and he's just punching this guy through buildings constantly. And I was like, and obviously because Zack Snyder had the plan, he was like, yeah, I'm making it like this. So when I release the film, you're thinking Superman fucked up essentially, and it works. And I really, I really mm. did like that part. I, I did, but um. If we move on to now some, because I know we're getting a bit shorter on time, so I want to move on to some of the criticisms and things of uh, Batman Superman. Obviously, it's the Martha scene, so we don't need to delve into that again. <laughs> One of the things that I actually disliked about it was the final scene with Doomsday. Now, I haven't read the comics. I don't know much about Doomsday. So for me, I am the probably the majority of people who see these films, which is someone who has a vague-ish knowledge of Batman and Superman, that sort of thing, but doesn't really know the source material. And I found that... What I just felt like it was a big mess in a sense. It looks quite nice, but the whole time it's meant to be this, you know, it's all this weight being carried from the film that I spoke about earlier, and you feel like, oh, there is weight to this, there's stuff. And when Doomsday kind of appeared, I was like, oh, they're kind of, it's like a, yeah, we're going to be good now. Let's fight the bad guy. Oh, look, Wonder Woman's coming to save us. And it's like, okay. And then it finished, and you're like, well, Superman's not dead either. So you've got you've got all this weight and all this build to the stuff. And then you've got the Martha scene, and everything undoes itself. In, in, I'm trying to speak quickly and not uh, get too doubt, but, you know, everything kind of undoes itself of the hatred to them and all this sort of build-up to the film. And then one of them just kind of pops in and saves the day. But then you think, oh, no, Superman's dead. But you know he can't be. So you've got all this stuff, and you're just like... I don't know how they would have done it differently and I would not have wanted to tackle this film but that that was kind of my main thing was obviously the Martha thing's part of it but I did feel like the film was a bit too long and I normally am fine with long films but I felt like it was too long without enough payout for certain things I like the little snippets you know the ha 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 graffiti on the uh, I think Robin or Nightwing sort of armour and that sort of stuff I loved those little bits and I did actually like the little quick CCTV sort of bits of the other members of Justice League I actually quite liked that but I just found it was a lot of the stuff in the middle and my biggest thing with it I would probably say is that I love Jesse Eisenberg and I thought he was an awful Lex Luthor and I don't know if that's just me and that is how Lex Luthor is meant to be and I'm wrong but that's what I want to kind of say is my issues with it and I want to know from you, Max, what your kind of counter is to that. I'm, I'm intrigued. Uh, with with Eisenberg, it was a yeah, it was a very polarizing version of Lex Luthor, and it's kind of a different version of Luthor to the traditional portrayal. So I can see why so many people didn't like it. I'm up and down on it. I didn't think it was 
terrible. I thought he was okay. He did just seem more like an immature child all the way through, you know, rather than this megalomaniac villain that's going to rule the world. Um, but, but, sorry, Max, he's a self-made man, though, isn't he? Lex Luthor, whereas Eisenberg's... And, and I've got to blame the writing for this. You know, he's just sort of a, a, a spoiled kid with a trust fund. Whereas Lex Luthor is absolutely brilliant. He can go toe-to-toe with Superman on intellect. You can't beat Superman for strength. And so, uh, narratively, that's where I think they got it wrong. Not just the way Eisenberg sort of acted it out. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the intellect side was there because his plan comes to the boil at the end and you realise he knows who Superman is, he knows who Batman really is, and he's been playing them off against each other this whole time for his own his own ends. But yeah, he didn't just... He, he didn't just have the weight, did he? Lex Luthor's like the uber villain of the super mm-hmm. universe. Mm-hmm. And he just didn't have that gravitas. And I felt he was too young as well. I think, mm-hmm. I think, I mean, I'm not going to say he was terrible. I thought his performance was okay. I just think the characterization was not quite what I personally would have wanted to see out of Luthor. Um, but not, again, I don't want to shit on Jesse Eisenberg. Like you said, he's a good actor. Um, it's just, I don't think he was cast correctly. I don't think it's his fault. I think he mm-hmm. played it how he was supposed to play it, how he was given it, but I just don't think he was the right cast, and I think it should have been someone 10 to 15 years older. And I mean, the motivation for Luther in the comics has always been that he he was sort of the king of Metropolis. He was like the uber man of that city, and then all of a sudden this god creature comes along who can fly and suddenly everyone's stopping looking at him and they're looking at this guy and he won't have that and he wants to take him out whereas in this film you don't quite get that sense of it i think i, th- I just don't think it's spot on um mm. but no i don't i don't want to slag him off too much uh the doomsday thing oh god um i think they, they needed a huge monstrous villain for them all to fight at the end obviously yeah, they had to yeah. they had to put something in there because obviously you, if you've got superman batman and wonder woman teaming up for the first time they need something big they need a huge ad- worthy adversary mm-hmm. that would take the three of them to to put down like a you know a thanos style villain mm-hmm. so i think the choice of villain was okay i just didn't like the the, the version they used i mean the, the doomsday villain is a is a Kryptonian creation from Krypton who was mm-hmm. um, created by a, a mad scientist and he wasn't sort of a genetic clone of sort of half Luthor, half Zod, like they used in the film. Um, and he didn't come out looking like a, sort of like a melted troll or whatever he did. <laughs> That's um, what I thought, a troll. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, as the fight goes on, he kind of develops more of the spikes coming out of him and he starts to look a bit more like the traditional Doomsday. But... It just didn't look right. I, I think it was a good choice, and I like. I do actually like that fight. I think it's a really spectacularly well-executed scene. I love the fact that the president decides to nuke them both in outer space, and he's willing to nuke Superman for the greater good. That's pretty cool. Mm. Um, I think that's cool. I like the way you see him floating through space, utterly like emaciated, and then he starts to sort of regenerate in the sun, and his eyes flash red, and he's back down to join the fight. I think that's great. Um, the Wonder Woman introduction where she jumps out of nowhere to save batman that's that's a kick-ass moment that's one of the highlights of the film 
I will say I liked that moment, but my issue with it was that Wonder was in the trailer and that completely ruined it because yeah. it was no surprise. When she came oh, out, I was, yeah. as soon as they started fighting Doomsday, I was like, well, the Wonder was going to come in and save them. And I was waiting for that. And I hate it when trailers spoil awesome stuff. Kind of like when Thor Ragnarok had Hulk in the trailer. I was like, could have fucking saved that. That's such a yeah. good, cool thing. Sorry, that was a mini rant of mine. Yeah, no, no, I agree with you. I completely agree with you. They should not have had Doomsday in the trailer. They should not have had Wonder Woman. I mean, obviously, she's in the film several points leading up to that, isn't she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a civilian guise, but you wouldn't necessarily know that she is Wonder Woman until um, there's a moment where she receives those files, isn't she, that mm-hmm. sent her, that has all those the other guys on there, the other Justice League members, and there's that photo of her from World War One yeah. in the Wonder Woman costume. And then that should have been the moment where the penny drops and the audience goes shit that's Wonder Woman oh my god and then you see her getting off the plane and you know she's going to turn up at that final fight you know it's coming that would be such a, a buzz but obviously like you said the, the trailer shows are already in the fight so it took all the mystique yeah. and all the leading up to it and it was just it was almost like backtracking in a, in a sense after seeing it yeah no I, I completely agree I mean I, I suppose they have to put good stuff in the trailers to entice you to want to see it but I think that's the same with most blockbuster films they don't they don't tend to hold the good stuff back, do they? They tend no. to put it. They tend to put it all in the trailer because trailers now are such an event compared mm. to how they used to be, like 10, 15 years ago. Now people get excited for trailers. Now the release date for a trailer is almost <laughs> as big as the release. It is, though, isn't it? You know, yeah. we're all You're YouTubers clambering, haven't you, to be the first ones out to give a reaction. Super Bowl as well. The Super Bowl <laughs> yeah, happens yeah, in America. Yeah. That's like the big boy of the year for all the best Marvel trailers and all the new films and next presents coming out. Oh, yeah. I mean, to pay for that re- TV real estate to get your ad on the Super Bowl ad mm. breaks, that is multi-million dollar investment. But it's worth it because the size of the audience is so big. So, 100%. But, yeah, we're all guilty of it, aren't we? We all see, oh, trailer coming. Trailer's going to drop later this week for the next Marvel film or the next DC <laughs> film or the next big blockbuster, Star Wars, Star Trek, whatever mm-hmm. you want to say. It's coming this week. We're all ready for it. And when it drops, we're all on our phones whatever we're doing wherever we are sat on the toilet at work, whatever we're doing we're immediately on our phones watching it aren't we and then we're all texting our friends going have you seen this oh my god you know and like like dave says you know these youtubers who, who post these reaction videos where it's just them sat in front of the laptops with their mouths open going oh shit oh my god oh, you know, <laughs> I, can't wait. I, I, I just oh, i hate i hate them to be honest with you i hate those reaction videos i don't see what the point is they don't they're not then dissecting the trailer and and going well you know this could be this and that's pointing towards that it's literally just them in front of their laptops going oh yeah oh wow you know it's so oh, give me a break anyway rant rant over Dave, just um, quick with your... I do want to quickly also ask uh, Max something else after this, but Dave, just a quick... Are there any other criticisms you had of Batman vs Superman? And then after that, I want to quickly ask uh, Max about the extended version. So I'll just pick up on the point about Doomsday. I mean, for me, Doomsday, I love his origin in the comics. As Max has said there, he was created by this mad scientist who basically had these experiments. And so you've got a bit bit of an evolutionary thing there. Basically, you've bred over millions of years this ultimate killing machine you know this this creature um this baby you know would be killed in some way and then they'd clone it and then you know the next one would be stronger than the last version Mm. and so that was the way they built up to death of superman i think it was 92 ish um 
which was which sold fuckloads of comics and basically changed comics forever because then it made uh, sure that death sold in comics. So kill a, kill off a major character, sell a bunch of comics, and then you just bring him back a bit later. So I think having him in the movie was a good thing, but knowing that how great that kind of backstory is, you know, to just have, mix in a bit of uh, Lex Luthor blood with. General Zodblood, and and then you just get this ultimate killing machine. For me, it just just fell flat. I will say, Wonder Woman, you know, showing up there is one of the most iconic moments. It it brings goosebumps up on my arm right now. Even though I've got criticisms of the film, you know, that moment was was brilliant. Mm -hmm. The last point, uh, criticism, it's like, Batman, you've spent three quarters of the film trying to kill Superman. You've had one battle with him, and then he's your best fucking mate, and you show up at the funeral, you know. And and what what are the words? I can't remember. Max, you might remember better than me, but it's something like, you know, we need to honor him, you know, <laughs> something like that. I found it so yeah. disingenuous, and it's like you've been trying to kill him for fucking most of the movie. So yeah, it, it's a bit of nonsense for me. But I, I, I'm gonna move away from a critical point because we were talking about Zack Snyder. For me, Dawn of the Dead was absolutely brilliant. What he did there was phenomenal. 300, there is no one who could have brought Frank Miller's images to the screen better than that. And it was so iconic. And and you mm-hmm. go back to the to the Dark Horse comic now, and and you just if you look at it now, you'll think, oh, well, that looks like Zack Snyder's film. You know, mm-hmm. there is no one who brings it more faithfully. And you mentioned Watchmen, and again, I think he missed the tone a little bit. I think Alan Moore was more kind of anti-violence, whereas, you know, Snyder glorified the violence. But in terms of the way it looked, no one could have done a better job than Zack Snyder there. So Mm -hmm. he has got a lot of great attributes to him. It's just, you know, with some of the DC stuff he's now been tainted with, it's just not come off very well. But I would like to see a bit more substance over the style with whatever he does next. Because like I say, Dawn of the Dead, phenomenal. I'd kind of like to see him go back to that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean that, that's awesome. Uh, I, I agree. I, I loved, I love Snyder. Generally, Batman vs Superman was the first film I saw of his where it really disappointed me. And just jumping off that, I know your uh, time is short and it's running over a little bit, but I just want to get your opinion on this last thing, Max. Um, the extended cut of Batman vs Superman. Do you think it makes the film? better do you think it makes them worse which thing adds to the film and also do you think that if someone watched the film and didn't like the film not hated it just didn't like it if that could potentially change their mind just in your opinion um no in a word um, it's, <laughs> it's what it does it just makes for a slightly more cohesive story that's all there's mm. no uh, there's oh i'll get to one in a minute there's one bit in there but generally speaking it's just adding some story beats in here and there there's no major revelations in there that it's not like this the fable you know as discussed justice league snyder cut and all that where there's all this footage and carry whole castways of characters and storylines it's just bits and pieces that add up to a slight that fill in a bit more of the dots you get a bit more of clark kent doing the journalist stuff in you know investigating the batman um, you get some more procedural stuff of Lois Lane where she's trying to put the pieces of the conspiracy together with, if you recall, at the start of the film where she's in the Middle East and mm-hmm. then you discover what the plot was behind that with Luthor and his mercenaries and setting uh, Superman up. You get a bit more of that and there's um, a whole scene where they're sort of 
with the uh, Metropolis uh, crime unit trying to piece together the, the trace the uh, killers from the bullets and things like that. But the one thing that's in there that is of substance is um, the main villain from Justice League, Steppenwolf, mm. um, which is sort of a shitty version. He appears in the ultimate cut of Batman versus Superman. Mm. So, um, if you, at the end, um, if you remember after they defeat Doomsday and Superman dies and the funeral, there's a scene, isn't there, where Batman goes to visit Luthor in prison mm. and says something like, oh, well, you know, I'm making sure you're, you're going to Arkham Asylum, mate. We're locking you up and you're fucked like, and he, he insinuates that he knows he's Bruce Wayne and blah, blah. Um, there's a scene where it shows Luthor, because if you, the last time you'd seen Luthor before that was when Doomsday is literally born, isn't it? And then mm. him and Superman fly off through the, into the sky and then the battles are fought. It shows Luthor still in the ship and he is stood in that, um, there's like that amniotic fluid, isn't there, where he puts mm. Zod's body and converts him into Doomsday. He's stood in that thing and the SWAT team comes in and they've all got the, um, the, the uh, guns with the red laser sights all pointing at Luther's back, like hands in the air, Luther. And you see like a holographic image of Steppenwolf with the three mother boxes from Justice League, Uh basically communicating with Luther. And Luther's like got this like look on his face. He looks pretty traumatized. And then as the police come in and say hands in the air, the holographic image just fades away into nothing. And then if you remember in that scene I mentioned where he's in the prison and Batman comes to see him as Batman leaves, he's sort of shouting, going, he's coming, he's coming, he, he he's hung, he knows, now Superman's dead, he knows there's no one to defend this earth, he's coming. And then, obviously, you know what's coming with Justice League. So yeah. it's just that little bit, it just fills that in. I can't understand why they cut that out of the, the, the film, it would have made a bit more sense, really. So yeah, there's not if you if you really did not like the film, I wouldn't say, oh well, here you go, here's a three hour version, you're going to love this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 no, it's not going to happen. But I think if you are on the fence, you would probably enjoy it more because I think it connects the dots a bit more. But that's that's literally all I'd say on it. It's not going to all of a sudden make someone who hates it like it or someone who doesn't like it tolerate it. No, I think if you don't like it. I think you're firmly in that camp and nothing's going to dissuade you. I think it's just if you're not, you know, like yourself or Dave maybe who like some of it but hate, don't like some of it. I think if you watch it, your life's not going to be enriched, but at least you might sort of enjoy it as a, an overall package. So I'd, 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 I'd recommend you guys watch it, but don't go in expecting it to all of a sudden huge paradigm shift for the way you see the film, shall we say. <laughs> yeah fair enough I mean I watched it in the cinema so parts of the film I've seen quite a long film little bits of it are escaping but talking about it more has uh, entered more but that's absolutely wonderful and I will say we can what we can do is when the Snyder cuts out we can do this again obviously probably do it sooner than that <laughs> we'll either just wait that long but you know we can do another one and talk about that so it's been absolutely stellar having you both on guys uh, if you want to quickly plug your own shows uh, Dave, if you want to go first? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, if you want to catch any of us, so Mike on the Star Wars uh, comics in canon, you want to catch Max on the mandatory Marvel in DC, uh, you want to catch myself and my co-host Chris uh, talking about comic book-based movies and TV shows, then get Comics in Motion on your podcast catcher, wherever you get your podcasts from, and you'll be able to listen to all of us. If you want something a bit more retro, if you're a bit older, and Mike, we didn't get an opportunity, I was going to say all things change so 
at the moment, Marvel are kicking it out of the park. But the Infinity Saga has finished. If I rewind back to about the mid-90s, then you you couldn't have imagined that this would be the case because, you know, DC and Warner Brothers had Batman and Superman. And I think all Marvel had had out at the time was Howard the Duck. So things can change very, very quickly. But if you want to have something a bit more retro, then get across to the VHS Strikes Back. And there, myself and Chris, we just go through all the things from the golden era of home video. And we we look at some classics. And then occasionally we just try and stitch each other up with something that, you know, individually we like, but then the other one might not have seen. And so, uh, yeah, honestly, that one is just a, a pure passion project. I just love it. go back wonderful thanks a lot and then obviously max yeah uh, well as dave said you can catch uh, my uh, contribution to the comics in motion feed there on mandatory marvel and dc uh, and if you want you can find me on twitter at maxi burn which is m-a-x-y-b-y-r-n-e and there's links there to the five or six different uh, websites that i write uh, tv and comic book reviews for uh, you can see on there links to my work so check it out say hi and um, yeah that's where you'll find me that's absolutely stellar. Well, guys, it's been an absolutely wonderful chat. And yeah, I'll definitely have you guys on again in the future to talk about more comic stuff. Wonderful. Excellent. Thank you very much for having us, Mike. Cheers. No worries at all. And that's the end of the podcast. Thanks as always for tuning in, guys. Be sure to check out Max's show, Mandatory Marvel and DC, found on the feed of Comics in Motion, as well as checking out Comics in Motion, which is on the feed of Comics in Motion, as well as the VHS Strikes Back, the CD Reality Cast, and all the other sort of associated podcasts in that realm. Coming up in the following weeks for Genuine Chit Chat, next week I've got two podcasts recorded uh, due. I've got one which is meant to be with Chris and Dave of Comics in Motion. We meant to last week, but we couldn't, so we're just going to do it this week instead. That is more than likely going to be the episode that gets released next, unless something changes. On Tuesday, it's going to be sort of an education, teacher-orientated one, which I'm quite excited about. I think then two weeks after that, I've got a heavy band coming on to speak about a few things. Uh, I've got... There's quite a few other guests. I've got a couple more authors coming up, people who run sort of entertainment companies and things, uh, as well as friends of mine who are going to come on, either ones that you guys haven't met before or ones that are returning, uh, including I'm chatting with Janine Mercer, trying to get something booked with her in July. So lots of things to come, a lot of familiar faces now. I'm starting to kind of get into the realm again of guests that haven't been on the show before. Not necessarily because that's what I'm choosing, but because people keep re- keep contacting me and asking to come on the show. And when I look into information about them, they're really interesting so it's a really great thing people have been interacting with me and contacting me and trying to come on the show and things i'm really excited for these guests but obviously start the lockdown i want it to be a bit more people i know a lot more and i'm more comfortable with chatting and things like that but you know i've been doing that now for god since tony farina was on so it's been i think about two months now of pretty much only guests i've had on before or that i'm comfortable with so you know who am i to complain i'm not com- i want to clarify to any one listening i'm not complaining about these new guests i'm actually really excited for them but you know i just thought i'd throw that out there i also want to say that there's my other show star wars comics in canon i talk about it quite a lot in this little outro bit uh it's found on the feed of comics in motion episodes are normally released on saturdays but sometimes they come out on sundays depending on how quickly i managed to get the episode edited recorded sent over to them blah 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 uh and the one that just happened was actually about obi-wan and anakin set between episode one and two it's about them on 
basically a journey and they both at parts want to leave the Jedi Order which is quite an interesting thing to think about so it's a really really good uh, podcast I really enjoyed it it is around 40 minutes long which is a lot longer than most of them because I try to aim for them to be around 15-20 minutes long but it kind of depends on the comic series that I speak about and how much depth I go into the narrative and things so if you want a sort of a view into the wider Star Wars canon, primarily with uh, comics and things, without spoiling Rise of Skywalker or Clone Wars or anything like that, at the start of every episode I do preface what spoilers would be ahead, if any, although I don't think I've put any spoilers in any episodes apart from narrative spoilers within the comic I'm actually speaking about. So if you are into Star Wars, either a huge massive Star Wars fan or you just really like the movies and you don't really want to have to spend time or money or whatever reading all the comics and the books and all the other things bits and pieces you can check out the podcast it gives a a nice look into the wider canon without going too deep it's not like a three hour long talk about one thing it's normally generally try to aim to be more bite-sized things about the comics and then within that i also connect the dots from other parts i normally talk about character ages what point in the timeline things are happening uh what planets they're from other canon connections of that comic if you know you saw a film and then these creatures appeared in that film and they're also in this comic things like that is generally what i talk about and the most recent one was about obi-wan and anakin while anakin was a padawan so that's basically it from me, guys, I think. Uh, as I said, episodes should be a normal scheduling out every Sunday, as long as you're in the same time zone as me. Otherwise, it might seem slightly later or earlier, depending. But yeah, generally episodes release on Sunday. Really appreciate you guys not only checking out my show as well as Star Wars Comics and Canon, but also checking out Comics in Motion and the lieu of shows that are on there, including Mandatory Marvel and DC. So, you know, and obviously in the black, which did the little intro plug thing at the start. So make sure you check out those guys as well. But links will in the description and feel free to contact me if you have any questions about the show, about Star Wars uh, or about anyone who's been on the show as well. So my lines are always open. Really appreciate you guys listening, especially this far to the end with my rambly mess. I really hope you guys are all staying staying safe and that all the craziness that's going on in the world right now is not bearing too much weight on you i know it's really hard and i know it's not easy me just saying i hope you're not in trouble but you know i really just hope everyone's doing okay because a lot of things are shit right now and we can get through it it's all good well not all good but you know i mean (laughs) trying to be optimistic anyway i'm gonna stop rambling myself into some sort of weird moral hole and uh finish it there so you know thanks guys really appreciate it and i'll talk to you next week